0: Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Our listener support campaign continues and we're once again focused on our Patreon campaign. I appreciate everyone who is one of our patrons who gives to us on a regular monthly basis that amount between 2 and $30 a month. It really makes it possible for us to do things and be able to plan for things we wouldn't otherwise. And our Patreon supporters who sign up now or in the month of March will have a chance to, with the rest of our supporters, be able to vote on what series we're going to do this summer for The Amazing World of Radio. To become one of our supporters, go to patreon.greatdetectives.net. You can also support the show on a one-time basis at support.greatdetectives.net or by sending a donation via the Zelle app to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Now it's time for today's episode of Richard Diamond, the original air date, April the 4th, 1952. And this one is The Enigma of Big Ed.
1: The makers of Camel cigarettes present Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, private detective. cigarette do doctors themselves
2: smoke? In a nationwide survey a few years ago, 113,597 doctors, doctors in every branch of medicine were asked, what cigarette do you smoke, doctor? The brand name most was Camel. Again and again, in repeated surveys, the same preference was shown. Yes, these surveys show that more doctors smoke Camels than any other cigarette. Why don't you smoke camels too?
1: Now we bring you another transcribed adventure with Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell.
3: Now, let's see. I play the red nine on the black ten. Move the eight of spades off this pile and put it over here. That gives me another king. Hmm. Now, where's the three clubs? i sneak a look under here. I. No, ain't there. Hello? Now, I'll be with you in a minute. Now, where do you suppose that's three clubs? Uh, oh, well. Diamond detective agency. Anyone for pinochle? Rick,
4: don't tell me you're still at it. You told me an hour ago you'd quit as soon as you'd won one
3: game. Won one game? That's nice and confusing, isn't it? Helen, baby, I wouldn't admit this to anyone but you, but I haven't even come close.
4: <sighs> I was afraid of that. Have you tried stacking the deck?
3: Helen, that's cheating.
4: I know, but have you tried it?
3: Well, just once. But only in self-defense, and even that didn't help. I still lost.
4: Well, then I'm afraid you're hopeless. Why not give it up and come over here? We could play some gin.
3: Oh, no. I owe you 1,369 toothpicks now. That rate will have to buy a lumber camp. You
4: there I... on the telephone. Me? Yeah, you the boss?
3: Well, no, not exactly. I'm just the owner.
4: That's good enough. If that's somebody wanting to hire you, tell him to call back.
2: Greg, is that man ordering you around?
3: He's trying. You hear me? I said tell him to call back. Now, just a minute. That's
5: right, killer. Stand up to him. We don't have to take no guff.
3: Well, honey, I wish you were here so we could get a look at the size of are You gonna hang up or not? Uh, yes, sir.
4: Yes, sir? Richard Diamond, did you say yes, sir? Yes, sir. I I, I mean, yes, ma'am. I mean, oh, oh, bye. Bye, Helen, dear. Okay. You said you were the owner of this outfit? That means your name's Diamond? Uh, yes, sir. My name's Ed Barton, Diamond. Uh, don't bother shaking hands, because I got a hunch you ain't going to go for the deal I'm laying down. That way there won't be any hard feelings. Uh, Reason I say that is because I've already been to three or four of you guys and they didn't go for it. For my money, you're all a bunch of lilies. Well, look, Mr. Barton, you no, don't... Now, don't get me wrong. That ain't saying you're like the rest of them. Truth of the matter is, I hope you ain't. The deal I got to offer takes a guy with a little backbone. Well, suppose you tell me what the deal is before you get too involved with my sacrilege. You've heard of the Barton Metalworks? Well, that's me. I'm the boss. Started out 15 years ago with a forge and an anvil. Today, I got over 40 men working for me, turning out some pretty big jobs. Contracts a lot of these guys around town would give their eye teeth for. If it's made of metal, Barton will make it. That's my model. Well, that's as good as some of mine. Go ahead. Diamond, it took me a long time to get this thing going the way I want it. And now, somebody's trying to mess it up for me. Trouble is, I don't know how much longer I can hold out. Loyalty is one thing, and staying with the sinking ship is something else again. Very well said, Mr. Barton. Now, would you like to tell me what it means? Four men quit on me yesterday, Diamond. Six the day before, and no telling how many today. Word's getting around that the plant is jinxed. Must be a pretty good reason for it, Mr. Barton. Men don't give up their living over a superstition. Of course there's a reason for it. Why do you think I'm here? You tell me. Because I've had two accidents down at the plant in the past four weeks. Two men killed in less than a month. That's a lot of accidents, Diamond. Yeah, does seem to be stretching things a little. So now, just because of that, the whole plant's supposed to be bad luck. Diamond, my production's beginning to slack off. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, just how accidental were these accidents? Craziest things you ever heard of. Mike O'Brien tripped and fell over a steel rod. Larry Martin got in the way of the big hammer. Just one fool thing after another. Somebody's out to do me dirt, Diamond, and they're trying to get at me through the plant. Yeah, but why, Mr. Barton? How do I know why? They just are, that's all. Don't ask me if I got any enemies. I probably got more enemies than any man on the face of the earth. People just don't like me. Can't
3: understand that, soft-spoken fellow like you. So uh, the idea is you want to hire me to go down there and see who's out to get you, huh? That's right.
4: Got a job already picked out for you down at the plant. You mean I have to work, too? Uh, certainly. You don't think I'm going to pay you just to run around asking a lot of fool questions, do you? No, know I, I, I guess you wouldn't, Mr. Barton. Well, how about it? You going to back down, too?
3: Mr. Barton, thanks to you, my girl already thinks I'm a coward. Looks like there's only one way to change your mind. <laughs> Big Ed Barton came as close to a grin as he probably ever would, dumped a tidy retainer on my desk and stuck out his hand coward that I am, I took off my ring and lost five fingers somewhere inside of his calloused palm. The bargain being sealed, Big Ed then drove me down to the plant.
4: Miller, this here's Richard Diamond, private eye I told you I was getting. Get him some clothes and put him on it right away. This is Steve Miller Diamond, my foreman. Yeah. And this guy gets a hundred a day, Steve. See that he earns it.
6: I don't mind big Ed, Mr. Diamond. He means well, but if it isn't made of metal, he doesn't understand it.
4: Yeah, I wonder how he'd react
3: to a Geiger counter. Uh, Which way is the locker room, Mr. Miller? Down this way, Diamond. Oh, and just call me Steve. Oh, sure, sure. A nice little place you got here.
6: Being foreman must keep you pretty busy. Full-time job, all right. I uh, suppose Ed told you what he wants you to do. Yeah, wait for an accident to happen to me. Yeah, that's about the size of it. Whoever's behind this will try to get rid of you right away. Oh, well,
3: isn't there something else we could talk about? Income tax or the war or something pleasant like that? <laughs> Not sure. Oh, a locker room's right in here. Okay.
6: Uh, Big Ed and I have both gone over the entire personnel looking for a possible suspect. But just about everybody down here has been with us over five years. With the plant, that is. Mm. Well, Big Ed seems to think he's got a lot of enemies, Steve. Oh, it's just his way, Diamond. Ed hasn't any more enemies than the next fella. Oh, here. Here's some stuff that ought to fit you.
3: Oh, thanks. That's quite a uniform you fellows wear.
6: Uniform? Oh, the overalls, you mean. Oh, not so bad after you get used to them. Oh? How long have you been wearing them, Steve? Oh, most of my life, I guess. I was practically born in front of a forge. My father was a blacksmith. All right. How long have you been with Big Ed? From the beginning. Since before he moved out of the old shop into the plant here. Of course, I haven't always been foreman. That's only happened in the lat. Oh, hi, Fred. Come in for a smoke. Diamond, meet Fred Larson. Hey, what's the matter, Fred? I'm quitting, Steve. Quitting? That's what I said. Oh, now, wait a minute, Fred. Save your breath. My mind's made up. Oh, I see. So it's even got to you. Uh, uh, uh look, Fred. Who's he? Someone who isn't afraid to get down into the furnace room and take over Larry Martin's spot at the hammer diamond here knows the place isn't jinx, don't you? Well, I... Uh... You better not answer that until you've been here a while, brother. I just about had it a couple of minutes ago myself. You? How, Fred? What happened? Raylan gave way up on number five catwalk. Right there where the plates are stored. What? That's what I said. If it hadn't been for that scaffolding I'd have cashed in right then. But those railings are always given out, Fred. You know that. It's been happening for years. Yeah. But this one just came too close. I ain't stopping to pick up my check, Steve. Mail it to me. Those railings aren't indestructible, Diamond. They, they just wear out. Mm-hmm. What was he talking about? Plates. Oh, I'll show you when we get up there. Number five catwalks right above the big hammer. Oh,
3: all right. Now I'm all dressed. How do I look? Uh, on second thought, don't answer that. <laughs>
6: Here's the place Fred was talking about, Diamond. Hmm. Guess I can't blame him for quitting. Would have been a nasty fall. Yeah. Hey, what's this stuff under the catwalk, Steve? Oh, those are the plates. They're too heavy to lug back and forth, so we just store them up here on the scaffolding. Oh, I see.
3: You mean I'm going to work down there, under these things? That's where Big Ed told me to put you, Diamond. He's the boss. I guess that's right. If I ever forget it, I guess he'll come around and remind me. Well, that hammer's a pretty big piece of equipment, isn't it? Sure
6: is. But the work you'll do isn't hard. The plates come out of the furnace hot. It's your job to flatten them out. All you have to do is flip a switch on the hammer and roll the plates. Roll the plates. Well, after that climb, I may not even be able to flip the switch. <laughs> Otto. Yes, Stevie. That's Otto Schmidt. He'll handle the furnace for you. Well, looks like he can handle the whole factory. Hello, Stevie. Is your fellow going to take Larry's place? That's right, Otto. Rick Diamond. Otto Schmidt. How are you, Otto? Hello. He's a new man, Otto. Never worked in a shop before. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, don't worry. I take care of him. Uh, just how do you mean that? <laughs> now, take it easy, Otto. Production isn't as important as safety right now. Remember that. Yeah, yeah, I remember, Stevie. Now, you'll be working all alone down here, Diamond. Just you and Otto. Oh, uh, swell. The main thing is to keep your eyes open. Yeah, that's right. All right, Otto. You can take over now. Yeah, yeah, I take over now.
4: like it yeah
3: yeah just don't get too close to hammer Uh, no home should be without one it's great for straightening nails pounding out meat yeah Uh, maybe pound out home too
4: Uh, you think maybe you stay sure why not Otto Uh, you not scared huh should I be yeah maybe maybe not what kind work you do before delivered
3: telegrams Say you pull out those legs with these gloves on don't be silly Hey, you better heat up this plate again hey, This hammer's going crazy or something
6: Look out diamond look out. Where out! What what, what what up there up there look out for those plates jump
2: Before we continue with Richard Diamond, here are a few words about smoking enjoyment.
1: Among the many stars whose voices, whose throats are their fortunes, is Maureen O'Hara.
2: Maureen O'Hara's cigarette must suit her taste and throat. And that's the reason camels get Maureen O'Hara's vote. Yes, Miss O'Hara tried the different brands and chose camels. Beautiful Maureen found that camels agree with her throat. And Miss O'Hara's only one of the many
1: famous stars who regularly smoke camels. Some of the others are Dick Hames, Dennis O'Keefe, Linda Darnell, Henry Fonda, Vaughn Monroe, and our own Dick Powell.
2: Why don't you take a tip from the famous people whose throats are their fortunes and who smoke camels? Make your own 30-day camel test. Smoke only camels for the next 30 days. Enjoy Camel's rich, full flavor, pack after pack. See how well Camel's agree with your throat, week after week.
5: Camel's, smoke Camel's, and see how wild a
1: cigarette can be. And now, back to Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell.
3: Well, Big Ed Barton had another accident on his hands. Otto Schmidt. They carried him out of the furnished room in bad shape but alive. I went up to have a look at number five catwalk. And it took me about 20 minutes up there to decide... ...that it hadn't been any more accidental than my working for Big Ed.
6: Oh, come on in, Diamond. I'll need your signature on this accident report.
3: You know, Steve, I don't think it was an accident... That scaffolding didn't come loose all by itself. Yeah, but I've still got to make out the report.
6: I have a chair. I'll have this finished in a minute. Okay, thanks. You uh, handle the paperwork too, Steve? Yeah, most of it. Anything concerning the plant itself
3: usually falls in my lap. Ed doesn't care much for office work. I guess he would look a little out of character to that. Incidentally, how come that railing on number five catwalk hasn't been fixed yet? Seems to me if Fred Larson quit on the count. Whose department is that anyway? I reported it to Big Ed as soon as I could. Oh? So where's Ed now? Home, I guess. Want me to call and see if he's there? No. No, that's all right. I think I'll just run over and surprise him. What's the address? 105 East Parkview. Big mansion. You can't miss it. 105 East Parkview, right. I'll sign that report when I get back, Steve. Mm-hmm.
4: It wasn't fixed, Diamond. Those railings cost money. I told Steve not to let that plant nickel and dime me to death, and I meant it. Then you purposely let it go. Now, wait a minute. I didn't say that. You don't have to, Barton. You got the report over an hour
3: ago. That's plenty of time to get the work done. Who told you I got the report, Diamond? What difference does it
4: make? You're responsible for the repairs, aren't you? That's right. But don't think you're going to jump all over me, Diamond. Matter of fact, I didn't even know the railing was down until you told me just now. Anyway, I don't see what this has to do with what happened to Otto Schmidt. You don't, huh?
3: Well, I'll tell you, Mr. Barton. Someone got up there where the railing is out and loosened the braces on that scaffolding. If the railing had been up, he wouldn't have been able to reach it. That's a lot of hogwash. I don't believe a thing. I don't expect you to believe me, Barton, but talk to Otto. He saw who was up there. I saw part of him myself just before the plates started falling. You mean Otto saw... That's right.
4: Well, don't look at me. I told you I didn't know anything about that railing. That's your story, Mr. Barton, and you better stick to it. Where do you think you're going? I didn't say I was finished
3: with you yet. No, and I'm not finished with you, Barton. As soon as I've had a talk with Otto, I'm going to take off these overalls and get back into my own clothes, and then you're going you to take your... You mean you're quitting? Walking out? That's right. Now, don't worry. I'm going to find out who's behind this, but I'm going to do it on my own. In case you haven't gotten the idea, Big Ed, I don't like working for you. <laughs> Otto. Otto, open your eyes. I want to talk to you. No. No. No talk. Why? It wasn't an accident, Otto. You know that. No. It was an accident. Don't you want whoever's responsible for this to pay for it? No. What are you afraid of, Otto? Who are you hiding?
6: I'm afraid it's no use, Simon. For some reason, he just won't talk. Yeah, but why? What's he
3: afraid of? Uh, that's all the time I can let you gentlemen have. He'll have to have some rest now. Uh, just a minute, Doctor.
6: <laughs> Mrs. Schmidt, talk to him. Will you see if you. No.
3: Otto don't want to talk. All right,
4: all right. How
3: long did it be before I can see him again, Doctor?
4: Well, that's hard to say. Several hours, anyway. You might check with the front
3: desk later this evening. They could tell you more about it then. All right, thanks. Uh, would one of you mind dropping her off? It's getting late. There's nothing she could do here.
6: I'll take her home, Diamond. You probably
3: feel like a shower and a change of clothes anyway. Uh, thanks, Steve. But, uh, I've still got some work to do. I dropped by the Barton Metalworks to get my clothes out of the locker room, but the night watchman wouldn't let me in without a pass. Too tired to argue with him, I hopped a cab to my apartment for a change of clothes. Yeah, but wait till I sit down. I just got in. This is it, Barton. Never mind sitting down. Get over to my house right away. I got something to show you. I thought I told you... I know what you told me, but this is pretty important. All right, what is it? A note. It was in my mailbox. No stamp, no address, nothing. Just the note. A note? What does it say? Well, the fellow used up a lot of words he
4: didn't need, but the gist of the thing is I'm supposed to close down the plant or suffer the consequences. Uh, Maybe that isn't a bad
3: idea, Mr. Barton, if it'll stop these killings. Well, it'll be a cold day in the furnace room when I close up. Of course I might get out from under, work some sort of deal so I wouldn't lose any money. Yeah, you might do that. (laughs) Whoever it was had been waiting out at the fire escape. The bullet thudded into the back of my best chair, and I got on behind it, wondering which drawer I'd left my gun in this time. After a while, when nothing happened, I sneaked to look around the arm of the chair. Diamond, what's all the noise? There was no one there. And then I realized Big Ed Barton was still talking. Hear me, Diamond. Speak
4: up. What's going on over there, anyway? What do you think?
6: Oh, this place gives me the creeps at night, Diamond. Especially way up here. No one around. Just a lot of machinery. Yeah.
3: And what are we looking for, anyway? Oh, I just wanted to have another look at this railing, Steve. Steve? Oh, by the way, uh, where were you when I dropped by your place? Just getting some air. I didn't know you were going to come by.
6: Hey, couldn't we let this go till morning? I don't like it around
3: here when it's quiet like this. Why not? I just don't, that's all. <laughs> you know, you look pretty good in a suit, Steve. You ought to wear one more often. Oh, thanks, Diamond. You really think so? Yeah. Never know to look at you now that you were just a foreman in the factory. Just a foreman? That's your job here at the plant, isn't it, Steve? But, uh, doesn't it ever bother you working so many years for a guy who doesn't appreciate it? Especially now that the big contracts have started to come in, Ed's pulling in all the gravy, and you're still nothing but a foreman. Quit saying that, will you? Quit saying I'm nothing but a foreman. Why not? It's true, isn't it, Steve? There's nothing
6: wrong with being foreman. It's a very important job. I got charge of every piece of equipment, every man. But not charge of the plant. Isn't that right, Steve? Someone else has charge of the plant. Well, what if he has? Next to him, I'm the boss. That's right, Steve. Next to him, you're the boss. Well, suppose I told you he isn't the boss. What if I told you I was in partnership with Big Ed? What would you think of that? I'd think it was kind of funny, Steve. Funny, is it?
3: Well, that's the way it is. You can ask him if you don't believe me. He'll tell you. I mean, it's kind of funny. You're still wearing overalls and living in a boarding house when Big Ed has a mansion and a couple of servants. Doesn't add up, Steve. No, not now
6: it doesn't, but it will. Your partner's entitled to full rights, isn't he? Big Ed kept promising me. All these years, he's been promising me. Promising you what, Steve? But as soon as the money started coming in. As soon as things picked up, I could get out of the plant. I could wear a suit on the job. Meet people. Mm. Why should Barton promise you that because we're partners, That's why we went in fifty fifty when Steve When did you go in fifty fifty almost fifteen years ago, down at the old place, I used to work the forge. Ed'd go out and get the jobs. He got to talk to the people. All I ever got to do was handle the forge. Mm, I think I understand, Steve, and then because he got the jobs, he thought he was entitled to more than I was. He said it was all his doing. I was just working for him.
3: He put me on a salary. Made me work in the plant. Well, what do you hope to get out of all this? Hating Big Ed is all right, Steve, but if he closes up the plant, you'd be out of a job. But I won't be out of a job. I'll be in charge then. I'm a partner, ain't I? All right, Steve, we can go back down now. Down?
6: Down where? Where are you taking me? Downtown, to talk
3: to some people. You mean the police? That's right. And, Steve, just in case you've still got that gun, I think it's only fair to tell you that this time I've got one, too. Kind of quiet tonight,
4: Rick.
3: Yeah, kind of quiet, Helen, honey.
4: Is it because you owe me 1,369 toothpicks?
3: Well, that could have something to do with it.
4: Then I'll get the cards and give you a chance to even the score.
3: Are you kidding? We'll be here for six months.
4: What's wrong with that?
3: <laughs> Come to think of it, nothing.
4: Then leave us get the show on the road. While you sing me a song, I'll set up the card table.
3: Oh, Helen, you are just too good to me.
4: Ain't it the truth?
3: Fella comes home from the office. He's tired. Needs comforting. And there you are. I just don't deserve someone like you.
4: Wait a minute. You're reading the wrong part. Oh. Maybe you'd just better sing,
3: huh? Yeah, maybe i better.
0: I cry.
3: it's your turn to cry over me Every road has a turning That's one thing you're learning A fool I used to be now I found two eyes just a little bit bluer I found a heart just a little bit true. I cried
5: for you
3: Now it's your turn To cry over
5: me
4: Where'd the trombone come from?
3: I played it with my feet. Abe Lincoln taught it to me. Gosh. Gosh?
4: Gosh, and a whole lot of Gs. Sometimes, Richard, you really get to me.
3: Now, steady girl.
4: Richard, my fool. Kiss me.
3: Oh, <laughs> well, here. Yeah.
5: This is a kiss?
3: Well, honey, after all, I'm, I'm I'm tired, sleepy, worn out, bushed, beat. Had a busy day.
4: You must have had a busy week. When I say a kiss, I mean a kiss. Come here. Ah, now, that's what I mean when I say, Rick. Rick, what's wrong? Ah, it serves me right. I'm gonna have to get myself a younger detective.
2: Dick Powell will return in just a moment. No other cigarette has Camel's rich, full flavor and cool, cool mildness. That's because Camel's costly tobaccos are properly aged and expertly blended for flavor and mildness, for true smoking enjoyment. Yes, and it's one of the reasons why Camel is America's most popular cigarette, by billions of cigarettes per year. Are you smoking the cigarette that's enjoyed most in America? If not, start your own 30-day camel test tonight. It's a sensible test of cigarette mildness based on steady smoking. Here's all you do. Smoke only camels for the next 30 days. You'll soon see how rich, how flavorful a cigarette can be and you'll discover why camel is America's most popular cigarette.
5: How How mild How
2: mild How mild can a cigarette be Make the camel
3: test you see smoke camels and see. Here's Dick Powell with a special message. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, to help bring pleasure to hospitalized veterans and members of our armed forces, the makers of camel cigarettes send thousands of packs of camels to veterans and military hospitals every week. This week's gift camels are on their way to Veterans' hospitals Dwight, Illinois and Whipple, Arizona. Rapid City Air Force Hospital, Rapid City, South Dakota. And to all hospitals operated by the Far East Command of the U.S. Army. Now until next week, enjoy camels. I always do.
1: Tonight's adventure of Richard Diamond was written by Ty Cobb with music by Frank Worth. Virginia Gregg was heard as Helen Asher. Others in the cast were Raymond Burr, Jack Moyles, Jess Kirkpatrick, Joe Duvall, and Alan Reed. Richard Diamond, Private Detective, is transcribed in Hollywood by Jaime Del Valle. Be sure to listen to another great camel show, Vaughn Monroe and the Camel Caravan, every Saturday night. Many, many millions of Americans enjoy cigarettes regularly. One thing about cigarettes that many smokers may not realize is that more than half the money we pay for our smokes goes for taxes. Yes, that's right. Eight cents of the price of every pack we buy goes to the federal government. And three or four cents more in most states goes for state or city cigarette taxes. So that actually means that better than half the price you pay for cigarettes goes for tax. Listen next week for another exciting adventure of Richard Diamond, starring Dick Powell. Now stay tuned for This Is Your FBI, followed immediately by Ozzie and Harriet over most of these stations.
4: This is Andrea J. Graham, author of the Web Surface series, Oh, and A Man's Wife. You're listening to the great detectives of old time radio.
0: Welcome back. I'm not surprised that Big Ed uh, took the lead in uh, running the business office. After all, he's really the people person of the group. This kind of story feels a little bit more like Edmund O'Brien's Johnny Dollar than a typical Richard Diamond story, but it works. It has a low-key ending, which is a bit unusual for Diamond. Of course, Big Ed is played by Raymond Burr, who would, uh, in a few years, really uh, make his mark uh, in terms of fame with uh, Perry Mason. And we get to hear Jack Moyles in a supporting role as the foreman. And remember, in eight weeks, we're going to actually get to hear Jack Moyles as the lead in Rocky Jordan. Though most of his radio work outside of that was supporting work. And, of course, uh, Alan Reed gets a uh, role other than Lieutenant Levinson playing the Doctor. I should note that there are actually 12 more weeks of the ABC uh, version of Richard Diamond, but we don't have any of them, so this is the latest existing episode of Richard Diamond. But we're not done with the series, because CBS did something. It was kind of unheard of at the time, and I'll tell you about it on our next episode. Join us back here uh, next Wednesday for that. Tomorrow, Boston Blackie. Remember, you can uh, become one of our patrons, patreon.greatdetectives.net. And also, you can uh, support us on a one-time basis by mail, Adam Graham, P.O. Box 15913, Boise, Idaho 83715. Uh, Send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And become one of our friends on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.